Welcome to this episode of the Overlook Hour. This episode may not have a number, but by the time you are uh, listening to this, you will uh, see that in your podcast app. Uh, yeah, so this episode is, uh, I guess, not really an episode. It is a, I don't know, an audio journal of some of the Q&As and intros that I was able to grab this weekend at the Unnamed Footage Festival 5, which was great. Had a lot of fun hanging out with everybody. Um, a lot of the filmmakers came in town that were showing movies. Uh, so yeah, shout out to Robbie, uh, Thomas Burke, JTT, Scott Sloan. I'm sure I'm missing people. And there's probably people that I didn't talk to because, uh, you know, I'm not officially working with the festival since uh, year one. But uh, yeah, I do do the uh, podcast with, with everyone that does. And um, they're much more social than I am. So shout out to all them. Oh yeah, shout out to uh, Mary Beth as well, who came out and helped with the festival. Shout out to Charlie Dickey, uh, Robson, other people. I'm sure I'm missing people, but this isn't necessarily my job to thank everybody, but it was great to see everyone. So yeah, once again, what you're going to hear today is just a random uh, selection of some intros and Q&As from the festival. Um, you know, it doesn't sound the way that our podcast usually sounds as I was using my sort of in the field Zoom recorder, um, kind of just capturing stuff inside the room of the Balboa Theater, which, uh, you know, we did the Q&As and everything. Um, so yeah, you know, it sounds a little different, but uh, I think it sounds okay. And there's some, some good stuff in, in the Q&As and the intros. Uh, there are probably spoilers uh, for some of the movies in the Q&As, so if you're spoiler-averse, uh, just a heads up there. So yeah, that's enough of me talking. Let's uh, get to the episode, and we'll see you guys next week. I was just 
constantly editing and like each each shifting from one to the other would affect the other one. And uh, this the big stuff is like the first thing I ever shot, like in 1997 when I got this like uh, Panasonic like five double A battery camera that um, that you just have to simply look through an actual hole. It was the worst video camera and I shot the pig and um, I filmed the pig and I didn't shoot it. Um, and um, yeah, so it's just it's stuff I've been picking up and then um, a lot of just outtakes of just uh, scenes of people that I realized how much I was trying to direct people that should have just been naturally. You know, just going and being themselves. Well, dude, you're you're great at capturing natural things. What about the guy that hit your camera while you're filming? I love the choice to keep that in, and that's why I always uh, relate you to Errol Morris. You really have a knack for digging up characters and framing them. Like, what was what was the dude high on? He wasn't high. Was he drunk? No, no, um, no. He was just. And uh, by the way, these are relationships that I didn't just look up for a second. And that these are people I've known for years. Um, that, this is early on when I was starting to realize that there were people that were like, yeah, turn on the camera, I'll tell you something, you know? And um, so uh, it, it, it was like relationships for years. Um, that guy sold me weed. Uh, <laughs> this is like in the 90s with those people, you know, and they still are, you know? So is FTW, is any of it scripted? FTW? Uh, no, no. I mean, it's um, it's it, 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 when it looks like we're doing scenes of a movie. It's improvisations at the moment of an idea that we had ten minutes before. Well, at that moment, dude, fantastic. Now I know we had a blackout earlier, and we are crunched. You know, we shove these feature films in here, so we're gonna keep these brief. I'm gonna drag Jorge out over by the step and repeat. It's a word I learned today. That big board with all the banners. And if anybody wants to come out and ask questions or hang out. Come do it. Uh, we like to keep the lobby full of conversation about these films, because you're not going to have it anywhere else. So come hang out with Jorge. Also, we have ballots that we need to give out. So vote for these films. And I think Clark's got them right there. Do you? No? Madeline. And we got like a five minute turnaround. So we're going to punish you guys today, but it will be rewarding, I promise you. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Yeah, so let's come out. All right, welcome to the 4.30 film. We're calling it the 4.30 showing if he's watching. We're, we're only five minutes behind. We're doing good. How's everybody feeling? Yeah. All right. Thank you guys so much for coming out to this. Um, super excited to show this cut, uh, which we haven't seen. It's a new cut. Fresh, exciting. This is what we offer at the Unnamed Footage Festival. Okay? You know, the South by Southwest do that kind of stuff? No. It's boring. It's sterile. It's not exciting. That's what we bring to the table here at the Unnamed Footage Festival. So we're super, super excited uh, to bring you He's Watching. Uh, also, got a couple of housekeeping things I wanted to bring to your attention. Um, one, for example, um, we are auctioning off a giant 27 by 40 poster. Are there frames for that? Probably not. It's enormous. But we've got a giant poster of the festival that all the filmmakers that have, uh, that have shown up here, and I assure you, it's a lot of them, have signed that poster. We're auctioning that off. That will be given out tomorrow, but if you put it in today, we'll find you. We'll get your contact information. 
Uh, tickets for that raffle are five U.S. dollars. So uh, if you want to go ahead and do that, uh, meet Oksana at the table where you did your check-in, and we'll certainly take care of you there. Uh, but all right, so now I want to bring up uh, Ms. Pavlin Gessner again to talk about these launches. Pavlin, the floor is yours. Hey, Clark. How are you? We're rolling. I am extremely excited uh, to be showing the world premiere of Jacob Aronesi's new film, He's Watching. Um, I have been a fan of this filmmaker for a very long time, um, and just getting him here is such an honor. We've seen a lot of movies made during the pandemic, but this one really spoke to us. Um, it's, it's really kind of almost a family project. Um, it's so weird, it's scary, and I would like to bring him up. Yeah. To, uh, yeah. uh, thanks for coming out, you guys. Uh, I've never watched the whole movie, and so you're going to be watching the whole movie with me for the first time. And I am always really excited to find out what I'm going to say when I introduce the movie. That's supposed to be a joke. It usually works. Um, but I do want to say that I did make this with my family. And my son was uh, using horror as an outlet. He was watching horror movie after horror movie after horror movie. So we just let him do that. And at one point, we were watching a movie, and I said, we could probably make one of these movies ourselves. And we started doing it in an improvised way. And we didn't know what we were doing or where we were going. And it took shape. And you're about to see what took shape over two years of constant filmmaking with the phone that I have in my pocket somewhere. Um, and here we are. Thank you for coming. Awesome. Can I give you a trailer before the movie? Stick on afterwards. We'll do a Q&A with him. So come up with some questions. All right. Have fun. Or we had no idea there was going to be a hammer in the bathtub or how we would do that. And 
we just kind of just kept improvising like, how to extend that kind of sequence and just have fun. And eventually a story kind of took shape where I, my kids started to get really upset with me about the fact that I wanted to make this movie and that I was serious. So this idea that I was exploiting them for commercial purposes <laughs> and became like the evident monster for me in the movie and I just decided that's the story. And, and here we are. I love that dual narrative where the movie is about, you know, the filmmaker father wanting to film the kids and making a deal with a demon, and you're making a movie where you're actually filming your kids. So fucking meta. <laughs> it's great. I love it. I mean, and it's also one of the most like unique and striking haunted house films I've ever seen. Um, just the fact that you were able to get those kinds of visuals on just a phone, improvising with your kids, um, especially the shot of them standing in, in the woods with the trees at the end. That, that was, so my daughter really did come up with the story with me. We go on these, this is happening in the beginning of COVID, right? Like that shot of Chinatown where there's nobody there, there was nobody there. It was like we were the only people not afraid to go out on our bikes and it was empty. Um, but we would, my daughter and I would take these walks and talk about what we were doing and we saw this tree. And I was like, that would be a really cool thing to put in the movie. I have no idea what we would do with that tree. And she said, well, let's just come out here tonight and in the park near our house. And we'll just shoot it. And then we came out in a certain costume and it was bugs crawling all over us. And, and we just did these shots. And she, my, my daughter was like, you're going to figure out what you know, you're going to deal with them. Yeah, and then it all comes together in, the, in like the editing process, which is so cool. This is another example of like the editor kind of becoming the writer. I mean, you were, you this was, you know, your project, so like, <laughs> you had full control over where it wound up. You don't, you don't have all full control. Like, I, you know, I admit, I, I just retitled the movie, and part of that had to do with the distributor bought it. And they, they wanted to retitle it, He's Watching. And I, I thought about it for a while, and what it made me do was I went and shot that stuff of the creeper in the house watching the TV, you know? And, and so it's like this weird collaboration even between the commercial aspect of the movie. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if it's even over, you know? Um, I might decide to ask some of you to uh, send me some dead bodies. That's how I got the dead bodies. I posted on Instagram that I was looking for dead bodies. And suddenly I had dead bodies from London, Spain, Maine, <laughs> New York. I mean, there's everyone. They're not in my neighborhood. <laughs> All right, we're taking dead body photos in the lobby tonight. So, <laughs> um, and another conversation that like we've been having at the festival is this idea of hybrid found footage horror. Um, and so normally that would be like in-world camera stuff, stuff that's shot by the characters in the movie and then intercut with like um, like omniscient camera. And watching this was such a discovery, realizing that it wasn't the omniscient camera, it was the point of view of, of a demon. Point of view of the f commercial filmmaker trying to make Michael Buck. <laughs> yeah. Exploiting his kids for the sake of that. Yeah, I mean, my mind wandered during lockdown. <laughs> to this. And was found footage really just something that came from watching horror movies with your son? Yeah, so, yeah, like I said at the beginning, he, he was, 
my son has sort of an OC. The reason he can play that music, I didn't teach. He, he didn't take a lesson. He just went and taught himself. And he got obsessed with watching horror movies at the beginning of COVID. And you know, we know why people like to watch horror movies. It releases tension. I mean, we, see, we experience all this horror, and then we can put it aside. And and so it really, we watched everything, and as the worst ones we could possibly watch because we couldn't ran out of material. Um, and finally, I was like, we could just do that, you know, we can make one. And we started doing a bunch of gags like it was Paranormal Activity 10. And I ended up throwing all those gags out, I think, <laughs> pretty much all of them. And, and then a story evolved, and it kind of came out of just seeing that my kids could act. Yeah. Once I saw my kids could act, and I wasn't sure because I'm a proud father, so I showed it to some friends. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, your kids can act. So I just kept going like that. Yeah, they're yeah, like the, really naturalistic. I mean, they're at home, you know? Yeah, and they were angered towards me at the end. It was really, truly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, any questions? I see a hand over there. Yes. Well, it was a it was sort of like a triangle. So I would say, okay, the scene is this. You guys are figuring out that I'm uh, in league with the demon, and I know that I want you to, you know, to realize that that thing on Iris's back that said more than two means he, he want the demon wants more than two kids and he's willing to deal. You know, like so we'd start and we just do a scene like that, and inevitably. You know, they either just get it magical, you know, and real, and I just walk away and go to my editing room, in my office, and, um, or I realized that there were lines that I wanted, and um, I kind of call them out, call and response style, which is something I've done with the great actors that I've worked with in the past. You know, I don't I'll only do it with a kid. Sometimes I'll just feed a line if I'm in the moment with an actor, right, and and they trust me to. That I'm not hurt <laughs> um, And so they were doing a lot of that. And then also, a lot of the lines aren't on screen. You know, I try to make it feel that they were on screen. But a lot of times, I go into the editing room and realize what the dialogue should be. And the next day or the next week, they'd come and we'd record what's called ADR, additional dialogue replacement, on the phone. I recorded all the dialogue on the phone so it would all sound the same. And I tried to do it in the room where we were actually doing the scene at the same time, so room sound same. And then I put those lines into their mouths, you know, off screen. So that so it was a whole crazy process like that. That just it's probably not over because I still have to finish the film and deliver the film and you're probably gonna ask me, you guys are gonna inspire some some of you can say something smart in here and I'm gonna be like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Any more questions? Yeah. I was curious, uh, I know you said you were just recutting and you're still recutting, but have your kids seen this some form and what are their thoughts currently? I mean, uh, my daughter's quite excited to be on IMDb. <laughs> 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 um, you know, I think there was a period um, when, when it first started to get real that we might actually have a release and where it brought up some feelings of like, is this embarrassing? Is this good? Is this? But they all end up, in the end, it kind of became a, 
excitement, you know, that we might be able to show this movie, and that all that work that we did trying to bond during this like moment of time where everything was just so locked and crazy that it actually produced something, you know, worthwhile. And it did. It was a way for our family to be together um, uh, at night um, yeah. after I would get, get done riding my bike with my son. You Bonding experience. It was. It, yeah. it, it was. I mean, yeah. Does it make them scared to be in their own house now, though, after seeing the movie? <laughs> That's actually interesting. My, well, my son had so much anxiety related to this the disease that went around, right? So I think, and he's always had like some fear of what's in the closet. Um, and for a while, I did get, and, and, and it, it exhibited itself. Um, and I, for a while, I was blaming myself and thinking that maybe it had something to do with the making of the movie. But then it subsided, and he's he's just his normal self. And I I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I'm not going your... over there again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounded like I just want to thank you for not um, killing Yogi the dog and for stringing up the cat. I killed a dog in my last movie three times. It's a time travel movie, and you can't believe the hate mail I get. I love my dog. I love dogs. Thank you. I, I never would kill a dog. What was the tree in the park? Was it a low plot? I know um, that's Elysian Park, and that's the first public park that was planted um, in, uh, I guess, the early 1900s. Uh, it's adjacent to downtown LA, and that's where we are. We're in a little neighborhood called Echo Park, also adjacent to that park. I don't know what it is. Beautiful tree. It might be. It might be a low plot. Does your cat actually wag its tail? <laughs> the cat did everything. You know, the cat, I happened to be putting my son to bed, and the cat just started going, oh, please keep doing that. And I got my phone, and it's Yeah, we got lucky. And you know what? I, since the movie took place over two years, I can tell you there was one thunderstorm, one rain in Los Angeles in the last two years. Once. And it happened at 1 a.m. and I ran out in my pajamas with the phone and shot that stuff because I was hoping to get a storm in LA and it just happened. And it, I, it happened for 45 minutes and I got like frostbite pretty much standing out there. And my phone luckily was waterproof. And I told I told my wife and kids that the phones iPhones are waterproof and they jumped in the river with their phones and we lost two thousand dollars. So they're not waterproof, just mine is. I got money. I saw saw another oh, yeah. over there, yeah. Was that indeed one shot where you how did you do that when you were outside the house, you going in and Lucas is sleeping? Um, Looks like you go the through the door. Yeah. Um, so the movie didn't get made by itself and that's part of what I wanted to why I asked the projectionist not to cut off the, um, the closing credits. And the reason, the way I did it um, in this case was to sort of go to my good friends in the business and we were all kind of out of work, like, what are we going to do? The whole industry shut down. And I said, let's divide, divvy up the ownership of this movie 
5% for every person that really works on it hard. And, um, and so the, one of my good friends is a visual effects artist named Jameson. And he's, <laughs> he probably did like 100 shots for me. And I would just call him with an idea, like, how do I do it? And he would tell me how to do it. And I'd go do it. And then he'd, I'd send him the footage, and he'd put it together. So no, it's not one shot. But it's this, just the way, trickery, film trickery. Yeah, I thought about trying to put the phone through there. And have some, some, he would have loved if I could have done that because it took him a night to do that. Are there a lot of like effects in that? Yeah, and some of them unfortunately can't even be seen because because I was color. I just was finishing the coloring on a screen this big. It looks really rich and and you can see all these details that kind of get yeah. on it big screen with not a very bright projector, so we, you know, yeah, there's tons of, tons of visual effects. Yeah. And in fact, one went in last night that you just couldn't see. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is sort of masked by the style, which yeah. is great because it makes it feel like it's not a visual effect, it's something that's like on set with you. Yeah, also, I went to cheap things too, like just yeah. cutting together pieces and making like a little pop, and yeah. those are two different takes, but I'm playing the idea that something's wrong with the film. And I wanted to ask about the ghost frames, like the kind of burned-in images throughout. Yeah. On the big screen, like it was really creepy because I felt like I was seeing something, but I wasn't, yeah. And I've spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to make those appear the way they do. Um, the, the idea is the, the thing you see when you close your eyes, you know? Um, the after image that just kind of gets burnt and into your mind. and and. Uh, what I do is I just take a still of the last frame and I blur it and I change the contrast ratios and change the colors and make cross dissolves and yeah. try to make it like feel weird and drift color from one side to the next. They're beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. I saw a hand over there. Uh, I just want to say I loved all the uh, discord, the pervasive sense of discord. And, and that was brought with a lot of the sound. Oh my God, the sound brought so much discord in combination with the filming. I loved how, I love that. Oh, thank you. Um, we, we're, as you can hear, a lot of sound in this theater is coming from other movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there was even more discord. <laughs> I was kind of enjoying that. I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, we, we would, Sound is probably more important than picture on a lot of levels. I mean, we all could hear before we could see. And then the discord in their relationship, the, the, your son and daughter, that, that fit right into her? Yeah, they're actually not, like, they're not in each other's throats, but they, they got to play it on TV. Yeah, yeah it was this, uh, my, one of my favorite horror movies of all time is, of course, The Shining. And so, never say The Shining plus your movie in the same sentence, but I was trying to <laughs> um, evoke this idea that something was infecting the house and causing a ruckus between these two people and putting them at odds and making you think that they might hack each other to bits. And I, I, I wasn't sure. I To this day, I maybe I should have had them hack each other to bits, but I felt like saving them. You know. Oh, I see one in the back there. Uh, who did the art on the uh, refrigerator and like on the mirrors? 
A combo platter, so some of the art on the fridge is actual historic art, it's just scotch tape there for the last 10 years. Um, uh, other art I might have drawn um, with magic markers and then shot. Um, I, I can't remember which art you're referring to, there's so much art in the movie. I, but um, uh, the mirrors, I got a bunch of lipstick at Walgreens like one night and, and just started painting the mirrors like a mad person and you know and and then my kids came home and they're like what are you doing and I'm like we're doing a scene <laughs> so i want to thank you for joining us this was amazing it was wonderful to watch it um any closing remarks no thanks guys for being first audience and it was, it was helpful even just to hear when the chairs start <laughs> Happy Sunday, everybody. How we feeling? All right. Thanks. Uh, you know, Sundays are. Uh, first of all, I want to thank everybody for coming out yesterday for our marathon day, and uh, welcome to part two of the marathon. Back to back marathon days. That's what we do here. That's our brand. Is it working? I don't know. You be the judge. No, we're very happy to have you guys here. Uh, had a great screening of the Gerber Syndrome, and now we've got a great screening for you now, um, which, uh, are again, our dear friend and colleague, Mary Beth McAndrews from Dread Central, uh, will be telling you about. Before we get to that, again, I uh, do want to mention the drawing for the giant poster that we have outside that is signed by all the filmmakers, actors, producers. Uh, I think we got a couple of uh, hipsters outside who wanted to sign it for no reason. We've got a cornucopia of talent on that poster. Again, the retail value, yesterday was $10 million. The market fluctuates, guys. It's gone up. All right? It's at three Bitcoin now. So Hell yeah. hang in there. It's a good poster. Um, again, anything you guys need, we're out in the lobby. Um, again, we've got a lot of talent coming in today. Um, so plenty of opportunities for Q&As and hanging out with filmmakers and, and all the all the like. So again, if you have any questions, reach out to us um, and uh, we'll turn it over to Mary Beth. But before I do that, I just want to mention that uh, this is one of my personal favorites, as are all of our films. Uh, but the reason why this one's very strong to me is because it has a killer, killer South African folk music soundtrack, um, which is wonderful. And since I saw this film about five months ago, I have listened to this nonstop. Um, it's annoying my roommates. Hey everyone, so I'm very excited to introduce Lessons, which is a found footage movie that upon first look seems like your kind of average alien invasion, alien abduction film, but actually becomes something much more philosophical, much more contemplative, and much more beautiful than I could have ever expected. The film is shot on Super 8 and 16mm film. It's supposed to be set in the 1960s, so it's got a very kind of vintagey feel. And the entire film feels like a liminal space. So it's incredible, it's beautiful, it's one of my favorites, Blake Clark, and I'm not just saying that because he's my friend. <laughs> but buckle up, guys, it's really good, and there'll be no Q&A afterward, but we'll be out in the lobby to talk about it after. And there's a short playing right beforehand, so enjoy lessons. Yep. And again, before the, uh, before the feature, we got In the Woods, uh, which is a short film. It's in the woods. 
And uh, we've got a bumper beforehand, so just preparing you guys for that. Enjoy lessons! Woo! Let's keep it going for Malibu Horror Story! Alright, Scott, crew, come join me up here. Let's party. Also, we've got a special, special thing happening as well that I did not tell you about. Frankly, because it freaks me out. But we've got a special prop from the film that is being rolled in as we speak. Let's keep it going for Scott Sloan, everybody. Yep, it's coming. Back here. How do I hear it? I don't know how am I hearing it. Going for Valentina, everybody. Is there anyone in here with us? If so, please use this spirit box to communicate with us. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I would like to invite the director and other actors of the film, Hector, to come up for a Q&A. <laughs> I'm not fucking touching that thing. It's scary as hell, trust me. We had some very strange occurrences on set with this thing. and Really? We were very scared. What kind of occurrence? Give me one. I would say that when we were in the cave, well, I could start actually when we were doing rehearsals at our studio in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. It's one of the oldest studios in Hollywood. That's where they shot I Love Lucy, and we turned it on for the very, very first time. And we were sitting there, rehearsing the scene, and the spirit box started going off. And we heard two gunshots and a lady screaming. And we got so scared that we actually turned it off. Then, when we were actually <laughs> shooting with it in the cave, uh, I said some lines that were invoking of spirits. And as we were in our seance circle, it started talking. And we were not pleased. We were very, very scared. So, in lieu of that, I will pass the microphone to the director so he can tell you more. <laughs> yeah, so Scott, tell us about the spirit box. I mean, it, this is a real yes. device. Yes. So, in the uh, Ghost Hunters world, there's about four or five companies that make these things for the Ghost Hunters shows. This is the original Poltergeist. It is supposedly have solved like two murders, too, by the way. Um, the guy who created it gave me the original number one off of his uh, timeline. So yes, that, that, that is what it is. And it is a spirit box. And, like, ghost hunters do use this 
to really communicate with people. The radio frequency thing is true. It basically scans frequencies, and if it, you can put it on a mode where it'll start piecing together AM, FM, like pieces of words. You can solve words that way, but basically, that's a trick. If you hear that, you'll, whatever you think you hear, you're gonna hear. This is actually, if it starts to talk, it's talking, so it's, I, I'm not a big, the biggest, I love the way it looks, but I'm not the biggest fan of using it. Well, you traveled with it, and if everybody's cool, I'm going to stay over here. We made it here safely, so. You did. Hopefully back, too. So, Scott, I know this film was a long journey for you. I mean, right around 10 years. So, how is it, you know, being here, and, you know, you guys have been here all weekend, and, uh, you know, I think you guys have had a long time. So, how is it just finally being here, premiering the film? How you feeling? I feel fantastic. I mean, especially for this particular festival is that this, you know, found footage in general is something that's near and dear to my heart. Like I said, I call this my love letter to found footage. Um, so, yes, it's fantastic. I'm just glad people get to see it now. I mean, we, we did test audience stuff and we did a lot of stuff prior to this to get it to the point it's at. And of course, like you said, 10 years, you know, in the making. But um, to finally see it with audiences and to be seeing it with festival crowds is, yeah, it's fantastic. It feels amazing. All right, so let's talk about cast a little bit. Um, how was it, guys, filming in a cave? Now, from what I understand now, um, we talked to Scott a couple weeks ago on our podcast, The Overlook Hour. Check it out. Just so you know, it's up for a B-body. It's fine. Um, and we talked to him. He told us that it was, you know, a very famous cave. Um, you know, the, the original Batman was in that cave. I don't give a shit. I'm not going anywhere near a cave. So how how was it for you guys being in there for a long time filming? You know, was it claustrophobic? How are you feeling? Um, well, actually, I got to shoot more in the uh, the, the first the weeds cave. The weeds cave, uh, but I did get to see the Batman cave. I mean, it, it was amazing. You know, just being in there. Um, it's going. It's going back. There we go. There we go. Hello. Hello. <laughs> it, but, the credits. Yeah, we're good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it it was you know amazing to be in a historical cave, you know, whatever. And uh, but yeah, I mean, like I said, I got to be in the weeds cave more than the that one. So, but I mean that that cave. Uh, I mean, it was it was still cool to work in there, you know, which is a little bit small, tight, but uh, like a lot a lot of dust. But yeah. I mean, it, it was cool. It was it was it was fun. <laughs> Well, you did a lot of hiking too, right? So, you know, going around in the wilderness and stuff like that, you know, I mean, obviously it's a film, but, you know, get a, get a little bit out of the wilderness, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't do a lot of hiking or anything like that. So it was, uh, I, was I was actually sore, for, you know, like it was all real. I wasn't, I couldn't feel nothing for real. Now also in your, your character, you know, you, you take the muffins. <laughs> yeah. So, how did you sort of prepare for that? I mean, have you experimented with the mushrooms before? Did you really? I, I mean, you know, no did, you, did you do a party before? You're like, hey, it's research. I'm having a good time, but it's research. Um, I did do a uh, little bit of research just to, sure. you know. <laughs> I did. I never took, I never took any, but... Um, I did just do a little bit of research, you know, just to see how they would affect, or you know, just for the for the part. Online but, but research. Online research, guys. Online research. It's a safe place. <laughs> yeah, that was about it. Yeah. And and Valentina, you you sort of, I don't want to say you turn heel, but at the end you kind of do. Yeah. So kind of walk us through that in, in sort of your journey with your character. Well, it's interesting because me and Hector actually shot at two very, very different times. Uh, Hector shot, I think, back in 2012, right? 
And I started shooting, uh, I think, in like 2016. So, like he said, he was shooting more kind of in the Weeds cave, and we were shooting kind of more in, in the Batman cave. Um, but I would have to say that it was definitely a, a very interesting transition. As you know, you know, the characters are getting possessed. He knows more than anybody because he was possessed the most. But I'm the one who turns in the end, you know, and ends up killing my best friend. So, you know, it, it definitely was a... What was the research on that? What was the research on that? Uh, well, my own possession, I suppose. <laughs> no, I, honestly, I um, really just kind of dove into the character, the history, and, and really the story of, of how these possessions were happening and... and the fact that you know these kids were getting susceptible and they were just getting possessed and eventually it's not even yourself anymore you know you're just transforming into a creature and in, into a, an entity that is desiring souls so you're no longer yourself or your character or whoever you're now this creature so i think that was kind of more of my transition was transitioning from the character that i was playing which is like you know kind of this girl who's into spirituality into contacting spirits and, and she is kind of more of the researcher of the group, of the ghost group, and, you know, kind of transitioning into the creature who is desiring these souls. So that's just kind of what it is, I suppose. All right, so let's, uh, let's open the floor. Uh, what questions do we have? Matthew. Hey, uh, first off, I actually go out and shoot my own series, like, so I kind of see myself and some of your characters you have there, so I commend you guys for some of the interesting antics that happens behind the scenes, the way you guys portray it. What did you guys do? Did you guys uh, do, like, I know we talked about research, but what did you guys do to research how real paranormal investigators and people who shoot those shows do that? So, initially, the paranormal thing was not in the original portion of the movie. So, we, like I said, we've been shooting since 2010, 2012. Over time, um, the Ghost Hunter shows kind of blew up. They kind of became really big. And um, after Ghost Adventures, like a million shows got greenlit. And so I was trying to figure out ways to deliver the found footage, essentially. And I thought that a general audience would be familiar with Ghost Hunter shows. I know I was. And so we, we watched just millions of them. I would send certain episodes to, 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 to uh, cast members. but. Uh, Essentially, it was just giving respect to what was becoming a wave of just ghost hunter shows. This was early on, 2016, and they just got huge. And so we're just studying those. I mean, just trying to replicate like credits, that fake credit sequence, trying to come up with the best kind of ghost hunter show. Editing style was another thing, trying to edit it the same way and uh, just make it more interesting to keep you engaged. It's very hard to keep people engaged nowadays. So. It was more of a device to try to keep you engaged and keep you just entertained throughout the way. But yes, definitely Ghost Hunter shows, all of them, every single one. Like, there was a hundred of them got greenlit, so just every one we use, but mostly Ghost Adventures. I mean, Josh's character is not like Zach or anything like that. He doesn't like Thank come God. up with so the crazy, but, but, but in general, it was those shows and just trying to be familiar to a general audience. Who else? Now, as tradition, yes, Justin. So, nudity in the movie. How do you prepare to be naked in a movie? As soon as I saw that, we had that discussion actually with one of the few people in here about roles that they've been offered and things like that, and like how uncomfortable that could be. But in this situation, you're not only naked, but you're also naked like on top of another individual. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> he, didn't, he didn't even know about it until yeah. like, like the day of. So I feel bad about that, but I'll, I'll let him tell you about this experience. Yeah, I was just forced, bro. Pretty much. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, like he said, I didn't know about it, but um, I mean, for the movie, I, I for the part and everything, <laughs> I, I was gonna do it. Like you know, I didn't, I, I didn't know how to prepare. It just, it just happened. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Scott goes, that's what she said. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, <laughs> what else? We have time for a couple more. Yes, ma'am. I mean, there was so many versions and VFX people that touched this film, and just so many people had their hands in this film that it was kind of a, a collection of trying to make it better as time went on. But um, it is, you know, I do, I look at this now and see a lot of things that are seamless, and it's kind of odd that it's so seamless knowing that so many different people touched this over so many different years. So, um, Pretty happy about that, but yeah, it was you know it was difficult for 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 Hector's shoot was in 2012. We had uh, an actor named Doug Tate, who is the stunt guy for he's basically Michael Myers. He's the stunt Michael Myers. So he came in and he was kind of a heavier build guy that uh, Carlos tran transformed into, and then Matt, who's not here today, Robert Bailey, he transformed into Troy's character, the skinnier, lang, you know, and that guy is incredible. Um, so, you know, it was two creatures, and technically there's a third now that she's been, she's been possessed, but, um, you know, it, it, it was, um, it is pretty, pretty satisfying to me, at least, to know that so many different people touch this and put their hands on it, and it still is somewhat consistent, so. We are time for one more. Yes, sir. Uh, we talked about this a little bit in the lobby, but uh, how was it like getting like real like news anchors and things like the? It felt so real. Like when I was watching the beginning part of the news. Yeah. So it's it is real. I mean, we we talked about this on the on the podcast, but um, you know that is Los Angeles's local news KTLA. That is Rick Chambers. Rick Chambers was chosen specifically because not only is he KTLA's news, but he's also in all the big movies, like the big blockbusters. So I thought, a, again, a general audience across the country would recognize him. But that is real news, and they participated their way, and they were super professional. I've, I've said this before, but we, I came in thinking that this was going to be a super long day of shooting. Uh, I came in, we did two takes with their actual camera crew. So it was their camera crew. I just gave Rick the lines, he knocked it out in two takes and we were gone. So they're super professional, they do it every day and uh, we, they treated it just like regular news, not like a movie. And that's why it came across real because it basically was. That's an important element, right? Yes, me and you both agree on that. We yeah. hate fake news footage and we hate fake graphics. A lot of times they're stock or green screen, that's just a pet peeve of ours, but yes, that is correct. I was very adamant about being real to a degree. Because even the biggest blockbusters have some fake-ass news in it. <laughs> they do, they do. Uh, all right, one more. In the back. Hey, how was it working with that contortionist? Troy is amazing. Wow. Troy, yeah, Troy, Troy James is absolutely amazing. He, um, again, I mean, you discussed this, but he, we, he was, you know, 
I was watching America's Got Talent or whatever it was, and he performed, and this was before he had done any movies, and we reached out to him, and he agreed to do this. And what the crabby part about it is, is he actually did our movie first, but he's released like seven movies since then. He's been um, busy. But that's good, that's good, because people recognize it, and you know, it hasn't been used in the exact same way, but it, it goes back to The Exorcist, of course, and just... Uh, consortium for some reason audiences um, the spider walk I guess is what it's called for some reason audiences do still continually find that scary uh, it has been overused I will just say it first and foremost Scott, I can demonstrate it in the lobby room <laughs> yeah but I mean it's been overused but I mean I, I still think it's effective and uh, Troy's amazing and uh, yeah he's done a, he's done a whole whole lot right now and, and he's getting bigger in the industry and again if you know that's a subset of the industry these these stunt performers and creature actors Actors. There's only about a handful of them. Doug Jones is like the probably the biggest one from you know Shape of Water, Hellboy, all that. But uh, Troy James is definitely on the come up. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Well, guys, thanks so much for coming. Uh, we've had a blast this weekend. One more time for the bill. Yeah, we just want to thank everyone. Russell, Clark, Randy, Oksana, Madeline, everybody who's part of the festival and just for having us. And uh, thank you guys for watching the movie. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at the Overlook Theater, Instagram at the Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Statt. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye.